0: This is the On the Banks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glenn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glenn, and this is episode 69 of the On the Banks podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11, and you can follow On the Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. If you enjoy what we do with the On The Banks podcast, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us just by searching On The Banks. As we sit back, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay home, make sure to check out OnTheBanks.com for all your Rutgers sports news, opinions, and information. As I say to all my guests, I'll say the same to you, all of our great listeners. I hope everyone right now hearing my voice is safe and healthy. I am very excited for episode 69 of the On the Banks podcast, as I am joined by national recruiting analyst for 24-7 sports, Brian Doan. You know, I've had a lot of coaches on since spring sports got canceled, and while we talked about their seasons coming to a close, there are certain aspects that are ongoing, even during a pandemic, one of which, of course, is recruiting. Recruiting never stops. Greg Schiano, since he was brought back to lead Rutgers football, has hit the ground running in recruiting putting together a strong New Jersey-centric staff. He currently has Rutgers' 2021 class ranked 19th in the country with 20 commits according to 24-7 and has addressed many of the needs that this team had. He has brought in new talent to develop as well as a host of transfers with Power 5 experience over the last 2020 and now 2021 class. In a matter of about six months, one could say he has already rebuilt this roster in his image. Obviously, these kids need to develop, and the results will speak for themselves on the field, but everyone knew Greg Schiano would come in with a pedigree, a reputation, and a formula to follow that leads to wins here at Rutgers. He certainly is doing all he can off the field to put together the pieces, bring this program up from the bottom of the Big Ten, and once again turn Rutgers into a consistent winner and turn Rutgers into a bowl team year after year after year. Time to talk to the reporters. Here's your host, Lance Glenn. Greg Schiano and his staff are certainly turning heads with the nineteenth-ranked recruiting class in the country. And joining me to talk about it is national recruiting analyst for twenty-four-seven Sports, Brian Doan. Brian, how are you? Appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Yeah, I'm doing the, you know well trying to stay so fun do all that stuff. So thanks for having me. As always, appreciate it.
0: So, Brian, I'll start with the question on every college football fan's mind. I'll get it out of the way right off the bat. I'm optimistic, and it seems like more and more people are as well. Whether it's with fans or not, we will see. But do you think college football starts on time, and we're sitting here on September 5th getting ready for Rutgers' first game against Monmouth?
1: I mean, I'd be lying if I had an answer for you. Um, I I would think that it has a good chance of it knowing – Um, that colleges have the ability to quarantine players and so they can manage the situation that way Uh, I I don't know if it starts on time I don't know if it starts in October I don't know if they just do conference games I I know this there is way too much television money at stake for the Power 5 schools to cancel the football season and if you cancel the football season for the Power 5 schools and you don't give them that television money the Problems that athletic departments and universities as a whole will have when it comes to budgets will be, in my eyes, it, it could be catastrophic because um, that's what television money has done to college athletics.
0: So, now let's get to recruiting, right? Rutgers 19th ranked class in the country as of today, June 4th, of course, 20 commits many from New Jersey, but others spread throughout the country. What's your overall impressions of how the class has turned out so far now that it's really almost full? And what's your impression on how Shiano's doing, especially considering he has to battle a pandemic in order to recruit these kids?
1: Well, I mean, I think, let's start with the last part of that first, with the pandemic. And what, what you've seen is there's been twice as many commits at this time than there traditionally is throughout the country. And so when kids can't make visits, it really puts a lot of pressure on them to to make decisions before their senior years. And, you know, because you don't know when you're going to be able to visit a campus, which is also why the thinking is there's going to be a lot of decommitments as October turns to November and toward the December signing day. Now, one thing that Rutgers has done well when you, when you look at the commitments that they that they received most of these kids came to campus in either january or the first weekend of march or both weekends or, or both times and that's the benefit you have of having a good basketball program these kids were coming to campus for the most part to go to a basketball game and also get to know the coaching staff so there's familiarity and there's the face-to-face contact. And and that goes for, you know, a lot of the Jersey kids, or you look at a kid like Max Patterson down in Virginia, you know, who falls into that. You look at some of the guys from Florida who Rutgers got, and those are guys that Shiana was able to get down to Florida to see during January when you were allowed out on the road as a head coach. So and then so when you look across Rutgers class. You know, there's only been a couple kids who haven't been to campus who don't have the feel of, of what campus is like. Um, so that gave Rutgers an advantage with getting so many kids on in in January and in March. Um, and, and that's how, you know, they were able to really start off quickly with the class. Um, for coaches across the country, you know, they've learned how to recruit differently there's a ton of, you know, whether you want to call it Zoom or whatever you're using for meetings. And in some instances, it's great. And in some instances, I talk to kids that do these virtual tours for three hours. And no kid or adult probably <laughs> wants to be on some Zoom call for three hours, you know, looking around campus and, and all that stuff. So, uh, but what I, what I have learned is, once everything gets back to where kids can make visits and and whatever normal is going to be, I think the way that schools have recruited now, some of that will be implemented into the future.
0: And look, Rutgers fans, were certainly excited to have such a highly rated class, but obviously, as we've been talking about, a lot of that goes to how many commits they have compared to other schools. You look at Rutgers with 20. You look at, you know, the traditional blue blood still in the single digits. How surprised are you at the speed the staff is going at to fill the class? And do you believe that moving quickly, with obviously all the limitations recruiting has right now, is the way to go? Um,
1: I'm not surprised because once you found out that visits weren't going to take place, it really limits the options of these kids and, and they, they have the in-person relationships with these coaches from Rutgers. And so I could see, you know, they they want to get taken care of. You know, Shiano has real marketability within the state. And, you know, in surrounding areas, They, they know him. They know what Rutgers, you know, the coaches or the kids' parents know what Rutgers was when he was there the last time. But he's also brought in some really good coaches who, right now, they're showing their chops as recruiters. When you talk about Fran Brown, Augie Hoffman. Jim Panagos, they are really high-level recruiters who have, you know, over time shown that they can relate to kids, kids trust them, and they know what to are building. You say, well, Augie's only been there for a few months because he came from St. Joe's Montvale. But you think those kids showed up at St. Joe's Montvale who were going to all these D1 schools just because they liked the colors of the school? No, they liked what Augie was all about at St. Joe's Montvale and so you know i'm not surprised by it um again once you once you knew that visits weren't going to take place and i know that they kept announcing, well no nothing till the end of may nothing till the end of june nothing till the end of july now for visits man you knew that the next one's going to be nothing till the end of august <laughs> because coaches are well coaches if you're a coach who hasn't been around your team all season i mean all spring you barely some places rarely had spring practice, other places had no spring practice. Do you really want to spend August, if you're going to start in early September, entertaining recruits? They're not going to want to do it. And so it's just going to get to, you know, September. And then if you're talking about having to quarantine teams and coaches, well, how do you bring an outside influence or an outside person into that that can influence your quarantined situation? So there's so many factors involved with it that um, I I just think kids were like, you know what, I'm ready to get this over with. When visits happen in October, I may be committed, but I'll go visit other places. And I'm not saying that's going to happen for all the commits at Rutgers, but there's going to be a number of kids from every class at every school who are going to make visits.
0: You know, the talk when Shiano returned was not only about recruiting New Jersey at a high level, but it was about reinstituting the Florida pipeline, a state that he recruited so well during his first time here, and one that has not been as heavily recruited since he left as many Rutgers fans think it should be. The 2021 class currently has four commits from Florida, so we, we see the staff once again targeting the Sunshine State, but what do you think of the staff's push in Florida and the kids they have secured commits from down south?
1: Well, first of all, it's not going to take a lot of time to establish the relationships because, you know, Panagos has recruited Florida for a long time. Just because Shiano wasn't at Rutgers. I mean, he was recruiting Florida when he was at Ohio State. He, you know, he was a volunteer coach at Berkeley Prep. He knows everybody down there for the most part. So those relationships exist. And why didn't they recruit Florida before? Well, when Chris Ash got the job, one of the things that Pat Hobbs told him was, we really want to recruit New Jersey and not have to rely on going to Florida so much. So Chris Ash spent his first couple of years not going into Florida, which is a place he had recruited. And he had some relationships down there. And then as you saw later, you know, in his years, he did go down and recruit a little more. And look, I know what people are saying, that has nothing to do with whether Ash was going to be successful or not on whether he recruited Florida. I'm just trying to give an understanding of why maybe they didn't go to Florida as much as, as Shiana will. And keep in mind, Shiana coached at Miami and he always built those relationships. And then he built them at Rutgers over what, 11 years that he was there. So Florida's always been in his blood, whether it was an assistant at Miami, then when he recruit, you know, he he's, we talk talked about satellite camps and what they used to be. well, he was the one who was running camps down in South Florida when he first got the Rutgers job, um, you know, a Rutgers camp to, to see the talent there. It's been in his blood for 20 years, so it's not like the relationships all of a sudden he's got to build them again. They're there.
0: And of course, you know, other states have been hit by the staff. Obviously, Pennsylvania, Maryland will always be targets because of proximity. Virginia, the same. And Ohio has become more of a state of interest over the past few years. But Coach Shiano went all the way to Colorado to get offensive lineman Gus Zelenskis, a state that Rutgers rarely, if ever, ventures out to. You know, How did Colorado come to be for Rutgers? And do you see this more as an anomaly or a sign that Greg Shiano and company could be heading out west more to try and find talent?
1: No, it's an anomaly because whenever you look at stuff that doesn't fit what a program does, well, there has to be a connection. Well, Shiano knows Zelinskis' dad, and so he sent the tape to Shiano saying, hey, can you take a look at this? Um, I know there's a lot of D-line tape and some fullback tape, but we think he could be a really good center on the offensive line, and his dad... Happened to be to center when Troy Aikman played at UCLA, so there's connections there. That it's not like all of a sudden Rutgers came across this kid's film and said, oh, "Geez, we really should go recruit Colorado." It was basically <laughs> it's basically it's of interest. I mean, it's wasted time and it's and it's wasted energy. Um, there was that personal connection that gave them the in, and and that's how they wound up with them.
0: So I want to look at some of the commits in the 2021 class. The two highest rated right now, uh, Kyrie Banton and Kashawn Griffin, both defensive front seven talents. Griffin on the defensive line and Banton at linebacker. What's your opinion on what Rutgers is getting with both of them and the impact they can make during their time on the banks?
1: Yeah, I I mean, obviously I think when you look at Banton, I I think his impact could be the biggest because I have him rated the highest. Um, He's a kid. He's got really good length. I saw him last Spring. I had no idea who he was, and I was at a camp in Brooklyn, being run by the Erasmus Hall guys, and this kid kept flashing every time. I was like, "Oh my goodness, who is this kid?" And you know, his athleticism, his change of direction, his length, um, the way he, even in a camp where it's late May and it's nine thirty in the morning on a Sunday, where it's easy to float through it. Um, he really worked hard throughout the camp, and then you watch him during the season. I, I think he's got a really high ceiling. I think he's a guy that you can play as an outside linebacker. You can blitz him off the edge. He, you know, he plays a lot of D end at, at Northwest side. Um, I, I like him a lot. Kashawn Griffin. I saw him in his first game of the season and his last game of the season in the fall, and I I liked him both times, but um, I thought. Early in the season, he just floated in and out of the game, and his bigger impact was on offense. And so I wondered, and then, you know, I think with him defensively, when I saw him late in the year, he had more impact, he had more burst. It seemed like he played with more energy than he did earlier in the year. Um, I, I think he has a really high ceiling. When I talk to a lot of coaches, they talk about how athletic he is, and he may be the most athletic kid in the class, and he's definitely a kid that hopefully we have a senior season for these kids in New Jersey where I can get out and see him play and see the development that he has. But, you know, he's got length, he's got athleticism, he runs football, he's got twitch. He has a, a pretty high ceiling. I just want to see it be put together, you know, all the way.
0: And one commit that really interests me and seems to interest a lot of Rutgers fans is Al-Shadi Salam from East Orange. He's a do-it-all kind of back, 5'9", 170 right now. You know, it's funny. That's the same height and weight as Raheem Blackshear when he came to Rutgers. Now, obviously, Blackshear is gone now, and fans don't necessarily want to hear about him. But do you see the staff envisioning Salam in that same kind of role as a speedy pass-catching, you know, could line up in the backfield, could line up on the outside, versatile player just like Blackshear was?
1: Yeah, I actually think he could be better than Blackshear. Um you know, when you, when you look at Al Shadi, I mean, he ran 10 2 in 100 meters as a sophomore in high school. That is fast. I mean, that is blistering as a sophomore, no less. Um, which, you know, if you continue that path, you would figure by his senior year, he should be running about a 10-6. Um, he's got great change of direction. He accelerates well. He obviously has a top-end speed. He has elusiveness in space. I saw Blackshear play a few times when he was in high school, and he was not nearly as dynamic as Salam is now. Now, Blackshear got better. I've, I've always contended that Blackshear was a 10 to 12-touch-a-game player, and anything more than that, and you would see uh, less return, and I think you saw that a little more as a sophomore season. I, I want to see how Salam fills out. How much stronger he gets. Make sure he doesn't lose his speed and agility, which I don't expect he will. But I, I think um, I think Salam can be that all-purpose back, who you can, you know, a third-down guy, who you can, you know, move into the slot. You can put him in the backfield for some carries. You can really move him around and try to find those mismatches. Um, I, I think he has. A really high ceiling just based on his athleticism and and stop start ability
0: are there any of the 20 commits that are kind of floating under the radar that stand out to you you know not necessarily as highly rated as a Banton or a griffin or as talked about as a salam are there any that are kind of flying under the radar that really impress you and that you think can make a big impact
1: you know th- that's always a tough one because you know I do the rankings for a lot of these kids. <laughs> so if I'm going to say if I'm going to say they're underrated, then I should just change the ranking. Um, the kid to really look at though is Albert Reese, the offensive tackle from Clearwater Academy down in Florida. Now he's from he's from Edmonton, you know, Alberta. So he just happens to board down at Clearwater Academy, but. He he comes in from Canada. He he's got really good feet. He's long. He's athletic. He's really smart. And because he's from Florida, because he didn't get a lot of attention in recruiting, I think he's a, you know people kind of like okay whatever you know they don't think of offensive linemen as guys that really excite them because they're not catching touchdowns or making tackles or picking off passes. And so you know it's the things that they don't really. Focus on unless you're really into the recruiting stuff. Um, he'll get a ranking, and then you know, for us, in another about week, week and two weeks, I think when we do the second, the third Wednesday of June is when our rankings come out. But you know, when you, if he had a spring, I really think the kid would have had 30 offers. Um, I, I think he's that good, but I don't think people really latch on to that because when you're talking about an offensive tackle even, you know, unless you're one of the top five in the country, you're probably not coming in and playing as a freshman anyway.
0: Brian, what do you foresee the staff doing at quarterback? The top target seems to be Taj Bullock, but there is depth there. You know, they have Noah Vedral eligible for two seasons after coming over from Nebraska. Art is back. Johnny Langen is back. Cole Snyder is back. Evan Simon is a freshman. And of course, there are some big talents in Jersey in the class of 2022 at quarterback. What do you think happens with that spot in the class this year? Do you think perhaps the staff doesn't take a quarterback at all with everyone returning and all the depth they have?
1: If Taj Bullock wants to commit to Rutgers, Rutgers will take him. And they've made it known to him that they want him. So it's not like they're just sitting there saying, well, whatever. Um, He also is looking at UCLA and Virginia Tech pretty hard. Um, I don't think... If they don't get Bullock, you can always take a, you know another quarterback can surface at some point. Remember, you're you're not able to go out and see guys throw, and so that aspect of it makes it a little more difficult to just offer quarterbacks. You know, you, you hit it on the head. They they have a lot of guys in the quarterback room. None of them are going to be seniors this coming up season, so they have numbers there. But I also know that. You know whether it's Sidkowski or or the kid that Nebraska transfer or, or whomever, um, you, you see it more than anywhere. I, what are there five five scholarship quarterbacks right now? I don't see there being. I, I could see some guys leaving after the fall if if they if it looks like they're not going to be involved in the pecking order with quarterbacks. And then the other factor is. If you don't get a guy like Bullock, you don't have to go force it because somebody's going to come through the transfer portal again, um, you know. And that's the position more than any other, to where when a quarterback leaves and transfers somewhere else, quarterbacks are having success, you know, a lot more than some of the other positions. So I, I don't think there's any panic. You, you take Bullock. I think they'd love to have him. Jersey guy, athletic, has a strong arm from a program that produces kids. But if they don't get him, I'm not going to sit here and say they're not going to take a quarterback, whether it's through the transfer portal or they ID somebody in the fall. I think there'll be another quarterback in the mix somehow.
0: Brian, a couple more before I let you go. How do you see this class kind of ending? You know, we all know some of the major targets, Gino Vandermark, Audrey Gosteeman, Ryan Keeler all have Rutgers high on their list, and Rutgers, I'm sure, would love all three. What do you expect with them and how this class really comes to a close and fills those last scholarship spots?
1: You know, a lot of that's going to come down to, you know, they have the 20 commits, and if I'm expecting decommitments all over the place throughout the nation, I think it would be foolish not to say that there could be some changes in the Rutgers class. And I don't know who it is, and people are going to be like, oh, decommits, oh no. I mean, it's just part of the business. Um, I, I think with guys like Vandemark, I think if he doesn't decide soon. I think, you know, Rutgers could go another direction with some offensive linemen. I think with Keeler, Rutgers is sitting in a really good spot. He's got a ton of offers. I'm still, you know, having a hard time getting my head around. They're going to get a kid from the Midwest with a ton of other options where, you know, maybe they don't have that connection that they did with some of the other players. Um, You know, the kid that, that, I don't think people are talking about enough that's on their board is Robert Jackson out of Archbishop Wood in PA played one year of football defensive end with great length former basketball player. I think he's got an incredibly high ceiling and he's a kid that, you know, we've discussed whether to make him four stars or not, but want to see him in the fall to get a little better feel for his development. But, um, you know, and then there's going to be other guys that pop up that they're still going to keep recruiting because... Yeah, they have 20 commits, but you know, some there's always ways to how do we say manipulate the system and kind of keep adding to the commit list because you know, it the, the program still needs an incredible overhaul in talent. They're going to bring in what like 30 kids in the in its last class, plus they're bringing in another like 15 or 18 walk-ons to try to upgrade the talent. So it, it's the, the talent upgrade needs to happen, and so they're going to squeeze every bit out of the 21 class in terms of getting kids.
0: Brian, last one. Look, sports are slowly coming back. We've seen positive news about returns from the NBA, the NHL. Hopefully, Major League Baseball gets you know their act together soon. The NFL is still scheduled to start its season on time. When it comes to college sports, specifically here in New Jersey, June 22nd seems to be the day when organized activities could resume in some fashion, of course, following specific guidelines. And, you know, we talked about that obviously earlier um, in our discussion, but what about recruiting? You know, obviously things keep getting pushed back month after month after month, but what about kids being able to take visits and and go see schools do you see that returning anytime soon with recruiting reverting back to as normal as possible while this pandemic is kind of still ongoing
1: well i mean they've already said you can't make visits through july through the end of july right um now there are some kids taking visits to campuses just to walk around and get a feel for you know as a kid that rutgers was on from rosemary hall in connecticut tristan bounds who committed to Michigan during the week, who had never been there, so him and his family drove out there and walked around campus and got a feel for the layout. That exists. You cannot have contact with the coaches or anybody from the school during that visit. You know, we covered a little earlier, but I don't see coaches wanting to have kids on campus in August. Now, they'll say how great it would be to have them on campus because they never want to offend a recruit. but. I I think when you get into September, I can see, okay, maybe some kids get to campus, but if you're a school where, you know, wherever, even if you're going to limit attendance to 25% of capacity, do you want to bring kids in for a game day visit? Because it's going to be awkward. And so I, I don't know when this gets back to normal. I can make something up and pretend I know, but if I did, I, I've already, I would have already written it by now. I have no idea when it gets back to normal, if it gets back to normal. So the coaches just have to adjust and figure out, you know, when the NCA has to figure out, or the conferences themselves have to figure out when it is safe for these kids to go visit campuses so they can see what it's like, walk around, get a better feel for the people there, and remain safe. I mean, for kids who don't play sports, they usually go in the summer and they go on these college tours or spring break to go on these college tours because they don't want to go to a place that they're unfamiliar with just from looking at it online. And imagine if you're an athlete who, you know, 90 percent of your time is spent within that sport and those facilities to where, you know, you really want to see that stuff before you go there. So I, I don't know the answer, but I know somehow kids have to get on campuses before they sign their letters in December.
0: National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports, Brian Doan. Brian, appreciate you coming on as always. Look, it's certainly a crazy time in college football, uh, recruiting specifically, and it's great having you on to talk how Rutgers is dealing with everything and how they're still chugging along in the 2021 class.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you as always having me.
0: I want to thank Brian for coming on the podcast and giving me some time to talk Rutgers football recruiting. While the first signing day is, you know, obviously still six months away, Greg Ciano has certainly made his mark already in 2021 recruiting. Now, look, of course, there are some pieces to possibly finish off this class, which Brian and I discussed, but the 20 commits Rutgers currently has, they fill positions of need, they bring length and speed with them, and most importantly, they bring more talent into this program. Now, Obviously, recruiting is just oh so fluid, as we all know, and as I said, we're six months away from the first signing day, and kids have still not been able to take visits because of the coronavirus. Brian said in our discussion, once kids are allowed to visit campuses and travel around and see the different schools, we very well may see a lot of decommitments. Now, of course, Rutgers isn't immune to decommitments happening. Every school has to deal with them, whether you're Alabama, whether you're Michigan, whether you're Ohio State, whether you're Rutgers, every school deals with them. But the class as it stands right now is certainly one that should get Rutgers fans excited. Between the talent brought in by the 2020 class, the current group of commits now, all the transfers with Power 5 experience, and the veterans coming back on the roster, it's simple. Coach Shiano is building this his way, building it with the pieces he wants, and hopefully that brings sustained success here on The Banks.